0: hello everyone. welcome to a new episode of reddit readings. today we are hearing from people that got mad revenges. enjoy. reddit readings, episode 50. not my revenge, but my professor against cheaters. i took the final for an engineering class this morning. usually, one or two people will go to the bathroom during class. However for totally unknown reasons, about half of the class needed to use the restroom during the exam. Obviously, a vast majority of them were looking up the answers on their phones. This irritated me, but I just stayed focused and barely finished since it was a hard exam. I remembered that there was one particular problem that was only barely related to the stuff we went over in class, where part A was fairly easy, but I had no idea how to do part B. I didn't fret over it too much though, since that part was only 5 points out of 100. Well, our professor who is on the older side and I would have thought was somewhat ignorant of technology sent us an email just now explaining his diabolical plan to catch cheaters. Many of the students in this class use Chegg, a website that has answers to lots of homework questions if you're not familiar. To be fair I have an account too though I only used it for studying and checking homework solutions. Anyway, he explained that he was tired of people going to the bathroom and looking up answers on their phones, so he made the question I mentioned earlier as a trap. He purposely made part B impossible to solve, and about a month before the final, he got a TA with a Chegg account to ask the exact question, which was distinctly worded to be unique. He then created his own Chegg account and answered the question with a bullshit solution that seems right at first glance but is actually fundamentally flawed and very unlikely that someone would make the same assumptions and mistakes independently. He said that out of 99 exams, 14 of them fell for the trap and that everyone who had his wrong solution on their exam was given a zero and reported to the university for violating the academic on a pledge they signed on the front. He also sent an email to all the other professors in our department giving them the list of cheaters. <laughs> Neighbors dogs kill co-workers cat, co-worker ruins their Christmas. Quick note, I was part of this story, but not the dealer nor receiver of the revenge. Years ago, I used to work with a receptionist in a vet clinic named Margaret. Margaret was, and is, a very sweet 65 year old woman who had been at this practice since it was opened, some 40 years ago. She always had a smile, a joke, compliments and baked goods for your birthday. She never had an unkind word to say about anyone. She was seriously one of the coolest people I had ever worked with, and she basically knew everyone, from our regular clients to our mailman's granddaughter. The only bad thing about Margaret, and this was not her fault, was that she and her family lived next to one of the trashiest nastiest families I had ever met that had two even nastier pit bulls. I'm talking nastier than shit that had been hoarded by dung beetles for years nasty, and these dogs were constantly escaping and terrorizing the neighborhood, even trying to get into her house. Margaret had asked them more than once to please keep the dogs contained, especially since she had an elderly fat cat named Smokestack and these pits had attacked smaller animals before. The family basically told her to rot in hell, that they knew what they were doing, how dare she accuse the breed, Yada yada. basically blowing her off. Margaret knew there had been reports filed against her neighbors but nothing had ever been done about it really. So she made sure to keep smokestack in the house to keep him safe, and was very careful not to let him out. If you had been paying attention up until this point, you'll notice I'm using the word was and had regarding old smokestack, and it was as awful as you think. Three weeks before Christmas, Margaret had the day off and was in the garage with smokestack fiddling with some Christmas decorations. Unbeknownst to her, the pits next door got out and broke through the bottom of her garage door. They went right for smokestack before she could blink and started to tear the cat apart. Margaret screamed for help, and it was only when her son and husband came out with a baseball bat that they were able to free smokestack from the jaws of these dogs. I was working this day, and will never forget, when she came in, crying harder than I had ever seen anyone cry in my life, clutching poor dying smokestack in her arms. Her husband had to hold her while we tried to bring smokestack back, but we couldn't do it, it would have taken a miracle of God and then some, and he passed away, a truly crap way to go in what should have been the golden years of his fat, cat life. Margaret sat there for a while with his mangled body, quietly crying for a while, before she finally kissed whatever part of him was still intact and stood up. She told us all, I've got a job to do, take care of him girls. And then left. We figured Margaret would take a few days off to be with family, and then continue with life as normal. We figured wrong. Now when I say Margaret knew everyone, I mean, everyone. Right after she left the hospital, Margaret gathered herself up and went to the police with pictures of poor smokestack and told her story. The same police officers she had watched grow up over the last 20 years from rowdy middle school as she used to help babysit to the officers they were today. They were shocked to hear what had happened to their surrogate grandma and pushed her case to the front of the line. The case found itself before a judge whose daughter had gone to school with Margaret's daughter. The judge granted an emergency, dangerous animal extraction warrant to her neighbors. Of course, there was a hearing. Within two weeks which I gotta admit, was ridiculously fast. The neighbors tried to argue that their dogs weren't aggressive. They even went so far as to accuse Margaret of having it out for their family and making it all up. But their argument trickled when the dozens of dangerous animal reports were presented and finally completely dried out when Margaret presented the surveillance video her grandson had gotten showing the dogs coming into her property and attacking poor smokestack. The emergency extraction and humane destruction of her neighbor's dogs were granted. It was Christmas Eve when Margaret heard a knock on her door. She opened it up to see the neighbor standing there, sobbing uncontrollably. They were begging her to stop animal control, that they had these dogs, since they were puppies, how the kids would be devastated, and it would ruin Christmas, and if she could find it in her heart to give the dogs another chance. Up until this moment, the neighbors had behaved abominably. They didn't offer to fix the garage. They never apologized for trying to slander her name in court. Hell, they didn't even pay for smokestack to be cremated. At no point had they even shown the slightest shred of remorse for what damage their dogs had done. And as the neighbors stood there, blubbering and whimpering about how this was going to ruin their Christmas, Margaret looked them straight in the eye and told them, in her calmest voice, you took away my family, so now I'm taking yours. And shut the door in their face, just as animal control pulled up onto the driveway. Margaret was not surprised as she watched the dogs get hauled into the truck and taken away. After all, it was her idea for animal control to take the dogs on Christmas Eve, a perk from having known the AC officer supervisor for years. Margaret even made sure the dogs were euthanized before the outside Christmas lights turned on that night. The family never received the remains, nor did they ever get a chance to bring another animal into their family as the father proceeded to drunk drive into a telephone pole that same night, killing him instantly. Mom went off the deep end. So CPS picked up the kids by February. And ultimately, the house foreclosed in September. Despite how traumatic Smokestack's death was, I'd like to think that, if the neighbors had shown at least some regret, Margaret might not have gone as far as she did. She is still the person to forgive and forget. Or maybe, she ultimately knew it had to be done to push it to this point of no return before another family lost a member to these irresponsible neighbors. Either way, thank you Margaret for making the world a little bit safer for the pets in the world. And rest in peace, smokestack. Hopefully, I'll see you on the other side with your favorite orange sock and a can of tuna. Dad gets fired for BS reasons, plays the long game, ends up in charge, takes the extended family on a cruise. My dad had worked at the same company for almost 30 years before he was abruptly fired for complete bullshit. He was coordinating an upcoming meeting of people who had to fly in from around the country. One important participant resigned unexpectedly, so dad cancelled the meeting via email and explained why. Apparently, that counted as improperly communicating privileged information, and he was fired the next day. All this happened a week after dad's boss retired and was replaced by a new guy who wanted to cut costs. What a coincidence. This was about 10 years ago, near the height of the recession. Dad was in his 50's, hadn't interviewed for a job since the early 1980's. He wasn't sure he'd ever find another job. My mom went back to work at her school to pay the bills, while dad scraped together what he could do some shitty online consulting gigs for basically minimum wage. They managed to keep their heads above water, but only barely. Dad was out of work for a year and a half. He finally landed a job at a new company three states away, coincidentally about an hour away from where my wife and I lived and were expecting dad's first grandchild. Mom and dad moved to live about 20 minutes away from us. They had paid off the mortgage on their house, so they decided to keep it and rent it out, planning to retire there in a few years. New company treated dad very well better salary than he'd made at old company, good benefits and respect from his co-workers and superiors. A year later, mom and dad were able to buy a second, smaller house near their grandkids. Dad mentioned a few things about his time at old company to his new bosses. Nothing confidential or anything, more like overall strengths and weaknesses. Of course, the story of how he got fired came out as well. It turns out that when you work at a company for over 25 years you learn a thing or two about how it works, and cutting costs by firing experienced employees can make your company vulnerable. The new company started to get very interested. They saw an important business opportunity, and also a chance to get revenge on behalf of a valued employee. A couple of years later, the new company bought old company. They were both big companies, and mergers of this size take time, but when the dust settled it was clear there were redundancies, divisions and products that both companies had that new company only needed one of. They kept as many of old company's people as they could, and very few lost their jobs. Except, of course, for the people responsible for firing dad. New company put dad in charge of the building he used to work in at old company and let him choose his employees from both old and new companies. Dad had to move back to the old state, so new company helped sell his house in the new state and gave him a moving stipend of several thousand dollars. But mom and dad were just moving back into their own house. They sold their new house that they'd made payments and improvements on for 5 years for a nice profit. With that money plus the moving stipend, they paid off debts, saved for retirement, and took me, my siblings, our spouses, and the grandkids on a cruise. Kicking a girl who's been using me with a fat bill. I've really liked this girl for a while that I met at a lifeguard certification course, and I talked to her while I was there, and we, I thought, ended up hitting it off. We exchanged numbers and social media and all that, and we messaged for a few weeks before I asked her out to a movie, which she accepted. We'd been going on casual dates, nothing too serious, and we weren't hanging out at my place or her place, even though I'd hinted at the idea for a few weeks before one of her friends, someone that was also at the lifeguarding course, that I met and kept in contact with, because he was cool, sends me the screenshot. He said he felt bad for me, because I was nice, and that she does this often to other dudes. After seeing this, I asked her to go on a nice date with me to a Hibachi Grill restaurant 20 to 40 dollar plates and premium desserts are served here. I got the most expensive thing they had, and so did she. We both got fancy ice cream and multiple refills on drinks. I complimented her a lot and smiled consistently before getting up to go to the bathroom and leave. I was also hurried about 45 minutes after I get furious texts from her saying that she had to have her mom come down and pay for it because she didn't have the money on her and that we were done. I know it's not a lot and it sucks because I thought she was actually into me but it felt pretty nice leaving her that way. I rented a fake apartment and accidentally got pro revenge. So this happened a long time ago, it's probably okay to post here. It was November 2009 and I was jamming to I got a feeling by the black eyed peas looking for a cheap apartment. I find a great ad in craigslist and arrange for a viewing. I meet the landlady, a portly shrew with a betty page haircut. I wasn't here for the company, however, but for the cheap room. It's not great looking, but it is cheap, so I tell her I'm interested. She tells me the place is mine if I can get a deposit by the end of the day. Sweet. I rip to the bank and grab the 450 bucks needed, a half a month's rent. She and I cross sign a standard lease and ask when I can get a key to move in, and she says a couple of days as the current tenant has yet to collect all of their stuff. So, I'm sleeping on the couch at a buddy's pad for now, and so I just chill, seeing sights, enjoying the first few weeks in a new city. A couple of days roll by, and I haven't heard from the landlady, so I get frustrated and leave a few salty voicemails, but alas I was ghosted. Finally, she leaves me a voicemail and says she's sorry, but she cannot rent the place to me. I start to get angry, but I'm a pretty cool customer, so I do the research find out my rights in an unfamiliar new municipality, and discover that, if someone backs out of a lease without a legal reason, the other party is entitled to double the deposit they placed, so I figure, she owes me about $900. I leave more messages and emails. Again with the ghosting, not answering the phone, no responses via email either. I get fed up. Now, I had just accepted a new job, but it didn't start until the turn of the month. I would guess it's about the third week of November 2009. I have some spare time, so I hop on the bus, buy a magazine, and sit at the bus, stop across from the rental house, and just, wait. And wait. For a couple of hours I waited, but man was it worth it. I see her showing the unit to another smart mark. I hold my cool, and wait for her to finish with her newest renter, and make my way over to the house to confront her. As soon as she sees me, she starts to wail about how the tenant changed their mind, blah blah blah, and that's why she couldn't rent to me. I've heard enough. I square my stance directly opposite this clearly upset charlatan. Now you listen to me, you will get me $900 as required by law by the end of the day, or I will go directly to the police station and let them deal with you. She turned white. For a minute I thought she was going to puke on the ground right there in front of me she says, hold on, i will get you your money, i remember thinking, shit, that was easier than i thought, she goes upstairs, the unit was a basement unit in the house she was living in, and i shit you not, hands me a wad of cash and says, here, this is ruining my christmas, but here, she almost pushed me off balance as she jammed the messy wad of cash into me, thank you, good day, i say and take the money, count it, and walk away, I didn't turn around and look back, got on the first bus that stopped nearby heading back toward the direction of my friend's house. Not until I was home did I calm down and realize it was going to be a sweet Christmas, all thanks to a lying funny cheapskate. However, this is not the end of the revenge. About a week later, I get a phone call from a friend asking me if the lady in the news is the same crazy lady I got the double damage deposit from. I'm like Wara? Sure enough, it turns out this lady was running the same scam in parallel with a bunch of other victims. I'm mortified, not just because I almost got scammed, but it immediately occurs to me that the money I got was someone else's money and they are homeless for the holidays. I head right down the police station where there is, I shit you not, a line of crying people filing reports about being scammed by this woman. I feel awful, and when it's my turn, I get to the intake officer and start to give my story. I lay it all down, how I fell for it, how I left a snotty mail, how I staked out the rental to confront her, my demand of double the money back, my threats of legal action against her, and finally the skillful execution of the law by getting double the deposit back. I tell the cop. I took some of the money that belonged to the other victims, and she looks at me and says, man, you were the only one smart enough to confront her fairly, you earned that money, don't worry about it. A young lady who was now homeless and desperate couldn't help but overhear, and as I'm leaving the police station, she approaches me and says, hey, did you get your money back from that bitch? To which I sheepishly reply, actually I got double my deposit from her when I threatened her with the police. The girl blinks a couple of times, and finally grins, starts a slow clap, and announces to the other victim still waiting to give a statement in the lobby of the police station, this guy took her for double the damage deposit. I cringed. But then, in the most unexpected turn of events, the line of victims began applauding, I suppose with the realization that, while their money was gone, someone had really screwed her back, and that made them happy. They cheered. I felt better. The cops laughed. And we all, there had to be 20 people in all, had a joyful cosmic moment of holiday shad and fruit at her expense. I left the police station with a clean conscience and a smile on my face, and enjoyed every last penny of that worthless bitch's nasty stack. Thank you for listening to Reddit Readings. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and leaving a rating.